0: Go to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. Stay away from stinking thinking. Philippians chapter 4, 8 and 9. Are you there? Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Finally, brethren, Paul likes to use that term. He's getting closer all the time to finally getting over with this book. Finally, brethren. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace. Shall be with you, Father, take the few words that we're going to speak, and God, I am believing they will be help to every person here, but God, it's hard for it to be a help if people are not paying attention or if people are sleeping, so God, I ask and pray that you prompt every person to be fully attentive this day, in Jesus' name, amen. The key is verse 4, and I'm going to back up on that, rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. That's a key. You show me the Christian person that's lost its joy, and I'll show you a person that's going to start getting angry and getting mean. Joy. I've said it before. If somebody tried to steal Frank Taylor's joy from his house, he would stop them. You need to be willing to fight for the joy that God's placed in your life. And not just let every circumstance and every situation rob you. You know, the older I get, the more I'm into free stuff. (laughs) I just am. And it don't take a lot. I mean, I'm an easy guy. Whether most people think different or whatever, I'm an easy guy to get along with. I am. I say more words here in this 30 minutes than I'll probably say the rest of the week. I'm just, you know, I'm willing to listen to what people say and, you know, chime in a trivia question every now and then. I'm an easy guy. I am. I mean, for me to go outside at nighttime and look up at the stars and locate where the Big Dipper is and then from there locate the North Star and always think, I could find my way home. But I am staying always at home when I'm doing that. But it's like, <laughs> I could find my way home. I mean, do you enjoy the geese flying over? Out at my place, they fly over so low, you can hear the air currents they're generating. Do you enjoy a sunset? Teenagers, have you ever seen a sunrise? (laughs) Enjoy that? Enjoy the sunrise? You enjoy going fishing? I know Mike Bookout does. Enjoy going fishing. Do you enjoy taking a, a flat rock and skipping that across the pond? Ain't none of that cost anything. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm a rich guy. And every year this happens to me. People say, What do you want for Christmas? I really can't think of anything I want. I'm a rich guy. You're a rich guy when you don't have to have everything. And you're saying, hey, that's just how I am in my life. Two philosophers. One said man grows better as he grows older. The other philosopher said this. The heart grows harder with age. Which philosopher is right? They both are. It's how you're looking at life. Two men looked out prison bars. One saw mud, the other stars. Which way are you looking? Which direction are you looking? Every spiritual shipwreck that I have ever known, their thinking, right up here, their thinking always becomes unholy. And yet the Bible tells us explicitly what we're to do. Whatsoever things are true, That's what we're to think on. Whatsoever things are honest, we're to think on. Whatsoever things are just, we're to think on. Whatsoever things are pure, we're to think on. Whatsoever things are lovely, we're to think on. Whatsoever things are of a good report, we're to think on. We should not be thinking on whatsoever things are untrue, whatsoever things are dishonest, whatsoever things are unjust, whatsoever things are impure, whatsoever things are unlovely, and whatsoever things are of a bad report. Jesus said in the book of Matthew, chapter 22, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Jeremiah 51, 50, let Jerusalem come into your mind. Romans 14, let everyone be fully persuaded in his own mind. 1 Peter 1, gird up the loins of your mind. The mind is the blueprint that lays out the rest of the building in your life. The mind is like the huddle where you go and get the plays for the rest of your life. Don't allow stinking thinking to disrupt what God has in store for you. The Bible says as a man thinks in his mind, so is he. It doesn't say as a man walks with his feet, so is he doesn't say as a man looks with his eyes, so is he. It doesn't say as a man does with his hands, so is he. It says as a man thinks in his heart or in his mind, so is he. It's an awful thing that Achan did, stealing that Babylonian garment and those 200 shekels of silver and that wedge of gold but I think it all goes back to how he was thinking. I need an extra bit of cash for me to get in once we get into that promised land and we get set up. This would put me and my family ahead of the game. When God had said, Leave everything in that city of Jericho alone, it is mine. You see where the Bible tells us that the priests went throughout Jericho after they had won the victory, and they took the garments, they took the silver, they took the gold, and they went into the treasury of the house of God. God said, that one's mine. It's interesting to note that Israel will overtake ten major cities. That one was the first one. That one was the first fruit. That one was the 10% of. And God said, leave that one alone. And Achan took it. I think it began in his mind. I want, that, that night as they're going through the things and he thinks nobody's watching him and all the, the moon is there and it's just enough for him to see and he steals those things and he takes them back and hides them in his tent and judgment happened to him and his family because of greed. Greed. <coughs> it's an awful thing that King Saul did. Try to kill David, awful thing, when David, when he'd killed Goliath and came back, and all the women, all the women were saying, Saul has killed his thousands, and Saul, ooh, yeah, I like that, look how cute that gal is over there saying that, singing my name. David has killed tens thousands. That got him mad. That got him riled up. And I've thought of that before. The difference in King Saul's life could have been as simple as him singing a song. If he would have joined in with the song, if he would have sang and danced like all the rest of them, Saul has killed, he could have said, I have killed my thousands. David killed 10,000, but instead, jealousy hit him. I will kill that young man. Jealousy. Where'd that start? Right up here in the mind. Saul should have sang the song, but instead, jealousy infiltrated his mind. It was an awful thing. David did by taking another man's wife. And Nathan the prophet came to him and gave him the parable and said, There was a rich man and a poor man, and the rich man had a lot of lambs, and the poor man had only one lamb. And a traveler came through, and the rich man wanted to offer a lamb and feed the traveler. So he took the man with the one little lamb. And David, fury, rose up within him and said, that man will pay fourfold. And Nathan looks back at him with all the courage that it took and said, David, you're the man. You're the one that did this. Now I want you to, of all, and I've heard that preached so many different times. And the main portion of that never gets discussed. It was a, in Nathan's parable, it was a traveler that showed up to the rich man. I think it's a traveling thought that went through his mind. And then he seen this woman and had to have her. And what David said, you will pay fourfold. The man did that. That boomerang right back on him. And four terrible things happened to his family. Mm. Lust. It was an awful thing that Elimelech and Naomi did. They left the promised land. To go down into the country of Moab, they were discontent of being where God wanted them to be at. Shakespeare said it this way, now is the winter of our discontent. That really describes it. The moment a person becomes discontented, things start dying around them. Believes start falling off the trees. Everything starts becoming barren. Everything becomes bitter. The moment people get discontent, oh, well, the songs ain't like they used to be. Oh, the preacher just not as sharp as the preacher that I've seen on TV and he don't look near as handsome as somebody else. Well, too bad with that. Discontent, the winner of our discontent. It was an awful thing that John Mark did on a missionary journey with Paul and He left the will of God and went back home to mom because he became fearful. Fear, discontent, lust, jealousy, greed, all these started right up here, stinking thinking. All these started in the mind. The mind is the arena. It is the battleground. And you're going to win or lose right there. That's why the Bible talks about renewing our mind daily. Daily. It was a great thing that Joseph did when his brothers came to him. And he could have had them all killed, but instead he forgave them. Where did all that start? You think you think one of the, right then Joseph thought, "Oh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do?" No, Joseph knew one day these men will bow down to me, just like God said. And when that day happens, I will forgive them for what they done to me. And that's what he did. And that all started right up here in the mind. And it was forgiveness. It was a great thing that Nehemiah did. Rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. But I think when he was in the land of Babylon, when he heard that the walls was turned, turned down, he knew right then and there. He got the vision of rebuilding the walls right there within his mind. It wasn't that he got to Jerusalem and wondered if he's what he was going to do. He already knew what he was going to do. He was going to rebuild the walls. He had that established in his mind. In his mind. It was a great thing that Rahab did In protecting the spies And all she had heard was The God that Israel serves He's the one true God She'd never heard a sermon Never heard a preacher But she had heard About what God had done for Israel And knew that he was the God to serve Faith Faith. Faith. It was a great thing that the woman with the alabaster box did when she broke it and poured it upon our Lord Jesus for his burial. It was a great thing. It showed forth praise. It was a great thing, but the woman with just the two little coins As she gave them into the offering, and you say, well, it was just two coins. Jesus said, it was more than that, because she gave all she had. She gave all she had. Generosity. I think it all started right up here. I'm going to be generous today. Generosity, praise, faith, vision, forgiveness, all of these started in the mind. How many you ever seen the movie Cool Hand Luke? Struther Martin, who was a warden, said in numerous times in that movie, Luke, you've got to get your mind right. Orchardville Church, we've got to keep our mind right. Got to keep her mind right. Don't allow stinking thinking to control you. What are we to do? The Bible tells us we are to think on that is true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of a good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. That's what the Bible says. The natural way is to always go downward. Bad news sells. But the church is in the business of good news. That's why it's called the gospel. That's what that means, good news. Paul said, think on these things. And I'm telling you, don't allow stinking thinking to arise in your life. You're going to think about this sermon tomorrow, and you're going to have a decision to make. Now, do I go ahead and gossip about that person, or do I do what the preacher said? Do I go ahead and think about the bad report, or do I go ahead and do what the Bible said and think on the good report? You have the message, such as it is. But it is a message that I think if everybody would abide by, you'd see a big-time change in your life. Right up here. When I got saved, I gave Jesus all I had. It wasn't much, but I gave him all I had. And part of it was this noggin. And it ain't much. But it's all I got, and I want to give it all to him. Bow your heads, please. Father, we as a church and we as individuals, it's the same thing. We've got to keep our mind right. Help us, dear God, not to have stinking thinking. But Lord God, help us to rise above even what others would say or do. Help us to rise above that and be what you've called us to be. Or if there's someone here this morning that they've never asked the grace of God, the Lord Jesus, to forgive them of their sins, I'm praying, God, that that will be a reality today. In Jesus' name, amen. I am going to, well, I'll put it this way. It's in the book of Genesis, and I won't use the word that the New Testament uses. Let me use the word mule. Now, I've got, all right, here we go. Abraham has to offer, this is the word of God to him, his son on Mount Moriah. Abraham says, me and my son will rise to the height of the mountain and worship God. And then he says, and we, we, God himself, and we will come back again. Abraham knew God was going to come through. One way or another, God was going to come through. Because this was the son of promise. And you know what the other two servants did? The Bible says they stayed by the mules. Not going to use the word that the New Testament uses. They stayed by the mules. People, you can either allow your life to be dictated by all the mules that's around Or you can be like Abraham and already have it in his mind I'm going to the top of that mountain and I'm worshiping God and me and my boy will come again. Thank God for that. He already had that knowing. He knew God was going to come through. He knew God was going to come through. That's why he was willing to go through with it. God was going to do his part. That's all, Stan. First things first, I want those that are uh, standing uh, close to Lowe's family, I want you to turn and and want to collectively, we're going to pray for that family. I don't see Shirley here today. She's not here. So remember Shirley when you pray, okay? All right, all right. Church, don't be a bystander in this. Everybody pray. For the Clifton family, let me ask you How many here you've experienced some type of, of loss within your family through a death? See, I'd say everybody's been affected by this and impacted by this And you know the feeling of this So we want to be able to, just as the Bible says When one rejoices, we all rejoice And when one mourns, we all mourn So we want to help and be a blessing to this family during this time
1: Long before it was their time, you feel like the days you had were not enough when you said goodbye. And to all of the people with burdens and pains keeping you back from your life, you believe that. Yeah. The Bible
0: tells us in the New Testament, to sorrow not as those that have no hope. It doesn't say we're not to sorrow. It says, don't, don't sorrow like those that have no hope. We can still, yeah, we, we experience sorrow, but we have hope. And thank God for that. And that's what I know, because I've already talked with them, that's what this family is holding on to. Thank God. Thank God for that. Uh, I don't know. Different service for me. And during the music, I knew that when I get up to preach, it's going to be a different time for me, different, I don't know, just different, and difference, hey, you can't put God in a box. Thinking, you know, I know exactly how it's going to come down today. And I know if it's, it's just going to happen and it's going to happen. No, 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 no. I just knew it was going to be a little different for me. And it was. It was. But that's okay. Still, the Word was expressed. The Word, hopefully, did not fall upon hard ground. But it fell upon good ground. And it would take root and grow within your life. I'll give you one more thing, then I'm, I'm done the mind the enemy will try to tell this is what he does he'll try to tell you you're not really saved has have you anybody ever experienced that other than me okay what that does is that proves that you're saved because the enemy Jesus said as a bird will come and try to pluck that seed out immediately it says. How many's ever seen a bird flying through the air? And after it's, you've seen it pluck around on the ground and it's got something in its beak and it's flew through the air? You seen that? How many's ever seen a bird go fly into the tree and before it hit the the 25 foot oak tree, it turned its beak and it just crunched into the bark and it ripped it out of the out of the ground and now it's flying through the air don't nobody raise their hand. (laughs) No, when the enemy does that is immediately. Immediately. If you've had doubts about your salvation, that's the enemy's job. Here's what we need to do. In Ephesians chapter 6, when talking about the armor of God, how many remembers what the helmet was, the helmet of salvation, helmet of salvation. Keep that helmet on, and then when them thoughts hit, they just ping, and it goes off that that helmet, ping, 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 but everybody, I don't care who you are, if you've been saved, the enemy's going to try to throw something at you, oh, you ain't saved. It's like the guy said, I've been married 20 years, and me and my wife has never had an argument. Well, I think that guy's full of beans. There's always going to be where the enemy's going to try to trick you and cheat you out of what God has for you. Think on these things. Don't have stinking thinking.